Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. Are you glad to be at church this morning? I'm glad to be at church this morning. I'm glad that you're here. And uh, I don't know about you, but I just really feel the presence of God. There's something special that's, that's happening in our church. I feel like God is, is moving and directing us in a way. And my, my prayer for us, and I believe as a staff we've, we've been talking about this, is that we would continue to press on, that we would continue to trust, that we would continue to put our hope in the Lord, and we would never stop being hungry for God. Amen? Amen, amen. Well, I'm glad you're here. If you don't know me, my name is Pastor Carlo, one of the assistant pastors, help oversee our youth ministry, so students and stuff like that, and some media and tech stuff. Um, but I'm really excited to be able to speak this morning, and I've kind of been tasked with the final chapter in our series of community. Can you say community? All right, yeah, yeah, okay, you're awake this morning. 9 a.m. service, you know, we're up there, but then when we get in our seats, because they're comfy, so I'm glad that you're responsive, which is great. Um, and I'm going to be bringing kind of the fifth and final week of this series on community, but I want to just quickly do a recap over what the past four weeks have been like and the things that we've talked about. And if you've missed for any reason, they're all on YouTube. You can watch them there, or you can listen um, on your favorite podcast, Apple or Stitcher, or any of that kind of stuff. But let's go back to week one. So about four or five weeks ago, we started talking about the importance of investing and inviting people into our life, making it personal, not just, you know, you have, you're an associate or when you come to church, it's like, well, I, I kind of know that person, but what does it mean to actually build real community that lasts and that counts? Well, it's going to take us inviting and investing into people. And as we look at the life of Jesus, we know that he actually did this all the time, even though he traveled and ministered to thousands there was 12 people that he was close with, that he lived life with every single day. The second week, we looked at the story of Jesus, that when he talked about the Good Samaritan, and some of the lessons that we learned there is that being part of a community is actually going to cost you something, and you're actually going to have to choose. There's a choice involved here for you to be a part of community, and we don't get involved, and we don't choose to get involved so that we can just get something in return, but it's actually community is going to cost us something. Week three, we talked about what it means to actually go the extra mile or the second mile for another person. And building a strong community is going to require more than us just coming and meeting the bare minimum, but it's actually going to require us to go further than what we think we need to do. And then last week, finally, we talked about what it looks like to welcome people in community that might be different from you. So this can be anybody that maybe looks different than you, sounds different than you, has a different culture or background. Maybe their history is different than yours. Their family is different than yours. And even, dare I say, they have a different worldview or belief system. What does it look like to welcome people into community? Which brings us to today's message. It's titled, Be Intentional. Can you say, Be Intentional? Awesome, awesome. If we read through the Bible, we can easily go through the motions of the stories, 
right? And we kind of, we kind of, you know, okay, I, I want to try and get through the New Testament in 30 days or, or whatever kind of goals that you've set at the beginning of the year with, with your scripture reading. But sometimes I think we need to take a moment. We just need to pause. And we need to actually think about what we're reading. If we read the scriptures and we read them slowly and intricately, we can actually see how God was intentional with everything that he did. The whole story that we read in the scriptures, God is very, very intentional. Here's some intentional things God did that you might know. Genesis 2, verses 2 to 3 says this. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work he was creating that he had done. God knew that it was important to have a day of rest. Not just a day off to be lazy, but a day of rest to rejuvenate, kind of like what we were just doing this morning, but for an actual whole day and practicing that every week. God knows that we need the Sabbath. Amen? We need the Sabbath. If you don't have a Sabbath, you're missing out. It's actually amazing. It's a really, really good thing. Another story where God was intentional, Matthew 8, 1 to 4. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him, and a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Here's what's crazy. You think that if Jesus had just healed somebody, performed a miracle, that you would want that news to spread fast so that everybody that was sick can come to Jesus and also be healed and have that same experience that this man with leprosy did. But Jesus says the opposite. He actually says, I want you to go back to the town, but don't say a word to anybody. And I actually think this was intentional because Jesus knew the exact point time, reason, and how it was going to happen, how he was going to die. And if this man went and blabbed about the experience he just had, that could have changed God's plan. That could have changed what Jesus was intentionally doing. God has been very intentional from the beginning of Scripture all throughout the story, and he still is intentional today in what he's going to do in the future. We're going to look at the New Testament today, and we can learn from the early church about what it means to have intentional steps, investment, prayer, and community that's built for the good news of Jesus to reach the nation. So we're going to look at a letter that Paul the Apostle wrote in one of those early New Testament churches about having and building intentional community. So before we read it this morning, some context I want to give you. Um, I usually like to do this for myself, and I hope that it helps you this morning too. Um, this letter, Colossians, that we're going to read from is written by a dude named Paul, okay? And Paul is currently in prison. He's writing letters. He's got nothing better to do. He uh, probably hasn't eaten in days, showered in days, and he's stuck in prison, and he's writing letters to a bunch of different churches all over Asia Minor, and he writes this church to a town in Colossae, a church that he actually didn't start. If you know any history about the Apostle Paul, he was like the first church planter. I love church plants. I, I love seeing... Um, you know, churches plant other churches in, in, in towns and in cities and in places around the world that maybe there is no evangelical presence of the good news there. And so I, I'm, I love Paul. I love his story. I'm very inspired by Paul. But here's a church that Paul didn't plant. 
It was actually planted, it started by a friend of his named Epaphras, and Epaphras was actually from that city. So Epaphras recently visits Paul in prison to update him on all the great things that are happening within the church in Colossae. But Paul also, sorry, but Ephesus also brings to Paul's attention that there's some things that they're struggling with. They're feeling the pressure of the outside community and the difference between morals and sexuality and all these different kinds of things under the Roman Empire. The cultural, moral, and spiritual differences that they lived in were a pressure. So Paul decides, okay, I'm going to write a letter to your church to encourage you in your faith to not sink into temptation and keep fighting the good fight. Which brings us to the main text that I want us to focus in on this morning and learn from. It's Colossians 3, 12 to 17. It starts off saying this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. For as the Lord forgave you and all of and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So if you know me, when I get the chance to speak on Sundays, which I love, thanks Pastor Chad, <laughs> um, I, like, I like to have it a little interactive. So this might feel a little unorthodox for you. It might feel a little weird. But what I want to do is whether you have somebody sit beside you or, or a couple chairs down, I want you to ask this question to each other. And the question is this, what is a time where somebody made you feel special? Okay, I'm going to give you 30 seconds to one minute. And I just want you to share that with whoever you came with or maybe a, a neighbor that's sitting in the same row as you. Answer this question to each other what is a time where someone made you feel special and in 30 seconds we'll come back awesome kind of just eavesdropping here and some good stories that were happening um has anybody gotten a homemade gift before just show of hands you're like yeah i've gotten a homemade gift for my birthday or christmas um when you're a kid nine times out of ten you go oh thank you that's so nice mom thank you for this homemade knitted sweater with like a you know mine would have like a big r on it for rosati and you're like oh th- Thank you, Mom. I love you so much. And inside you're cringing. You're like, I wanted the new PS5. Like, what the heck, Mom? Like, you know that I wanted the PS5, right? And as I've grown up, I, I, I have come to appreciate homemade gifts so much more. And here's the reason why. Because they are very intentional. And I'm not saying that electronics wouldn't be a great gift or getting a PS5 for Christmas wouldn't be awesome. But when somebody actually puts time in and effort in to make something from scratch, okay, All the people that go off to university or college or wherever, when you move out of your parents' home for the first time, you remember, oh, man, I used to, like, maybe not come home for dinner as much, and and now I I have to cook my own, and I'm stuck eating craft dinner every night. I miss my mom's cooking. You, You know what I mean when I say when something is intentionally made for a purpose, for you. And here's, here's, a, here's a great one. I, I still remember this. I still have it in my office. Um, there is a student named Nicole, and Nicole Martin. I don't know if their family's here today. They might be watching online. But I remember it was my birthday about you know, three or four years ago, and she made me this gift. And I was like, what is this? And I opened it up, and I was just like floored. It was so awesome. I love it so much. She made me a, a calendar for like 2018 or something, and it was The Office themed. Anybody like the show The Office? Still on Netflix, hoping that it never goes away. 
Shout out Seinfeld is coming. Seinfeld is coming to Netflix in October, so I'm very stoked about that. Am I the only one that still watches Seinfeld? <laughs> yeah, that's what my family thinks too. Um, me and Joanne, we're going to hang out and watch Seinfeld. All right, but... But I loved this because she, she made this calendar for me with all of these memes and jokes and pictures from the office, and I hung it up. I didn't write on it because I want to be able to still use it, even though, ironically, it's got different dates. When somebody does something on purpose and intentionally for us, it makes us feel special. Another story, um, my very first day on the job. I've been here for five and a half years, but I remember coming for the very first time, and my office looked like it snowed. And what I mean by that is it was covered in toilet paper everywhere, like my chair, the computer, the, the legs of the table, every book in every page, all of the ceiling, like everything. It was just, it took so long that I'm still finding bits and pieces of toilet paper all over the cell, uh, all, all over, not myself, <laughs> all, all over the, that would be awkward, all over the room. And, uh, I love that because I put my youth pastor through the same thing. So it was only, it was only right that I also had to, to have my office TP'd. Um, I used to do that so much to the point where I remember we used to TP my youth pastor's house. Don't do that. We rent. and We have neighbors. So don't do that. It's not the same thing. Um, but long story short, I remember we used to drive to his house. And one time I pretended like I was in the neighborhood. And I said, uh, I knocked on the door. I was like, hey, hey, pastor. I'm not going to say his name. Um, but he, I was like, can I really use your bathroom? I was just in the neighborhood. And I'm, I'm walking home, which is like, it would be like a five-hour walk. I definitely wasn't walking home. But he was gracious enough to let me in. I stole his own toilet paper to TV his house. I didn't even spend my, I didn't even spend my own money on it. Um, I did that with intention. <laughs> why do I share those stories? Why do, why do I ask you the question, What's a time where somebody made you feel special? Well, as I was preparing for this message today, um, at first I thought maybe the idea of being intentional goes along with the idea of teaching how to invite somebody to church, like the practical things. Like, I'll give you the, the, the one, two, three step of how I would invite somebody to church or how the one, two, three step of how I would carry a conversation about faith or the one, two, three steps of, you know, if you take somebody out for food, it usually goes really well and it's always better over a meal. Um, but I think that kind of stuff you can learn through experience. Um, so I don't want to focus too much on the practical things of that today. And because I don't think that if I tell you how me and Maddie invite somebody over for dinner, that it's going to be really all that helpful. But I do think in Paul's letter that we just wrote, uh, that we just read in Colossae shines a light on intentional community. So I want to look at three practical ways that might feel a little bit different of how you can be intentional with your faith to build community today. So the first point that I want to talk about this morning is be intentional by getting dressed. There's no naked people here this morning. That's good. Amen. But here's what I mean by that. Getting dressed, or in other words, clothed with, says this in verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Be intentional by getting dress. I don't know about you, but the one that sticks out to me the most when I read that scripture is patience. And the Lord knows that I need it more every day. For example, has anybody regretted a decision that they've made in the last two years over this COVID season? You, like, it's just your brain has gone in different directions that you normally have. No one's really being honest. I, like, I've, I've, real, <laughs> I've made some whack decisions and I've let my, my brain go to places where I was like, what? That is not me. For example, I have lost my cool. Many, many times in the last two years. 
Normally, me and Maddie will go out on Sunday night or Monday night, and we'll restock the fridge and get groceries, and, and she's amazing. She normally does the grocery list, and I normally sit there on my phone, <laughs> and uh, I remember we went out and got groceries together, and we came home. We were making grilled cheese, and I make a meal green che- grilled cheese. Shout out to Chef Julian on the back camera there. He taught me how to make a real grilled cheese. No more Dempster's bread. You got to get the sourdough. Add bacon every time, different kinds of cheeses. So story is, you can't eat grilled cheese without ketchup right? Like any, any, anybody be agree with me? Like you can't just eat a plain grilled cheese. You got to have ketchup. We just got back from the grocery store and I try to squeeze the ketchup bottle and there's no ketchup left. And the first thing I do is I go over to Maddie and I say, you were supposed to make the list. You were supposed to put ketchup on there. I can't eat this grilled cheese without ketchup. This is your fault. I'm losing my cool about ketchup. I have no patience left. <laughs> Obviously, I did not have it in my own self-control, by my own weight, by my own merit, that I was able to just like, you know, shut up. Because you know how that conversation went afterwards. Like, I was in deep trouble. And, and it was about ketchup. Like, this is really embarrassing, right? Clearly, if you're a human today, you would know that trying harder normally doesn't cut it. You're just try harder to be more patient. Or you're, you're trying harder to be more compassionate or humble. It doesn't just cut it by trying harder. Eventually... Just like me and the ketchup, your own flawed strength and ability runs out. But if we read this passage again that Paul writes to the church, and we read it slowly, we're noticing some overlap from some other letters that he wrote to different churches in that area. Galatians 5, Paul writes this, 22 to 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Being intentional in building community requires us to get dressed. It requires us to clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, peace, etc. And we do that by being close to the Holy Spirit, not by trying harder. doesn't mean that we don't try, but in the strength of the Lord, not our own. And now more than ever, I think that you actually have to make a choice You have to make a choice. In a world that seems to continue to rationalize division, unless you've been living under a rock, if you've watched the news or you're on social media or Facebook, people are rationalizing division. They're rationalizing hate. They're rationalizing cancel culture, even if there's a good reason for it. Will you actually be the person that carries that? Or will you make the choice to be the person that carries gentleness, love, and forgiveness? Matthew 7.20 says this, Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Some context for this, because I don't want to preach it out of context. Jesus is actually talking about false prophets. And when we hear the word false prophet or the name false prophet, we tend to think of it's some kind of deceiver in leadership or, you know, some guy that's asking for your money on TV. And we, somebody that's trying to confuse people and get them not to follow God. And although those things might be true, under the realm of false prophet, I wonder if Jesus was also referring to the everyday Christian who says that they follow in his ways, but the fruit that they produce says something totally opposite. I wonder if false prophet, yes, does mean those things, but if it also might mean those who say they love God, but their fruit sucks. Their fruit's awful. It's, it's just gross. You wouldn't want to take that fruit off the shelf. Those that are already a part of the local church and those that are seeking will be looking at the kind of fruit that we produce. Let me say that again. People are watching. Those that are already part of the local church, 
people that are watching online today, visitors that have come maybe for the first time, and those that are seeking that are not yet part of the community are looking at the fruit that we produce, that the Holy Spirit produces in us. So I'm going to give some examples for these different fruits that Paul talks about, the things that we need to clothe ourselves in and get dressed. What does this fruit look like in my life so far? Compassion looks like when my father had passed and a friend sat and cried with me. Kindness looks like when I was saving every dollar I made to buy a wedding ring and someone paid for my gas so I could go and drive Maddie back to school. When I first got here, we used to have youth on Sunday nights. And then we would go to Krabby's after for food, of course, because that's how you have good discipleship is you eat, you know, loaded cheese fries. And <laughs> now I'm regretting that. And, and then we would get in the car. I'd drive her all the way to Peterborough. And then I'd drive all the way back. And I'd, I'd be here for 9 a.m. on Monday. I was really more like 9.30 on Monday, to be honest, right? Um, but I remember that there was a parent who knew the situation and nicely and secretly gave me 100 bucks almost every Sunday because so, they knew that I wanted to, to... I didn't even have internet when I first got here. Like, I used to drive to Tim Hortons to download The Office on my iPad, and I'd sit in the parking lot because I didn't want to go in and buy a coffee. Not that I drink coffee, but I didn't want to do that because I wanted to save up for a wedding ring. Kindness looks like that. Humility looks like the countless times leaders took a chance on me knowing they could do it way better, way faster, way more productive, but they said, you know what, Carlo? I want you to do this. Gentleness looks like when I was young and I had some hard questions about faith and doubt and the wrestle between that, and I was given a space to actually talk about it instead of being afraid to be open and real. Patience looks like when my youth pastor gave me 10 more second chances. Forgiveness looks like the times that I had hurt somebody's feelings and they put aside the stockpiled reasons and chose peace instead. And love looks like all the people who put my dreams above their own. I've experienced all these kinds of things that made me feel special, that made me feel a part of the community, and people did things intentionally. And I'm sure that your life is full of examples. It's full of stories where people did that kind of stuff as well with intention that helped you be part of the family and community that you are part of today. So let's do the same for others. Let's be intentional. That first thing, we got to close ourselves. We got to get dressed. Point two I want to talk about today is you can be intentional by self-assessment. Verse 15 in that passage says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell. Can you say dwell? Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Being intentional with our faith to invite others into the community means that we're going to carry something that other people don't. What this doesn't mean is that you have some badge of honor that makes you better than somebody because they might not be a Christian. It's not that at all. It doesn't mean that you're more superior. All it means is that God has revealed something to you that has changed your life that has not been revealed to somebody else yet. That's all that that means. And this is what Paul is talking about when he writes the words dwell or dwell among you. The dictionary's definition for dwell reads this, to live or continue in a given condition or state. To live or continue in a given condition or state, which I think can lead us to the question we should ask this morning, what is the condition or state that a follower of Jesus should live in? What is the condition or state that a follower of Jesus should live in? In the text that we just read a few moments ago, Paul says dwell or live in peace, gratitude, and wisdom. 
Now, I want you to be brave, and I want you to be honest with yourself this morning. Would you consider yourself the kind of Christian that would be known for these things? And I don't bring this up to make you want to feel bad or guilty or shame if you're doing a self-assessment and like, okay, I, I, I try my best, and, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm a peacemaker sometimes, but then I... Now, now that you say it, Carlo, I, I remember what I said last week to my coworker. Or I, I know how I treated my spouse or my kids that day. Um, are you a person that is a peacemaker? Are you grateful for the life and the opportunity you have? Do you make wise decisions? I don't want you to feel guilt or shame as you kind of just do a little self-reflecting in this very moment. But what I want us to know and I want us to come to a realization is that we need the Lord to help us in all those kinds of areas. And perhaps many people don't decide to be a part of the community that we're a part of. And I don't just mean Bethel as a local church, but I mean Christianity as a whole. Maybe people don't decide to be a part of that because they see us just get as angry as they do. That we divorce at the same rates, if not higher, in some areas than they do. We post to Facebook all the same garbage that divides us instead of keeping the peace, which is a hot topic right now. And by the way, I promise you, if you don't already regret what you've posted on Facebook about all the different opinions that you might have, 10 years from now, when Facebook reminds you when you posted that, you will. Because I'm seeing things that I posted from 10, 15 years ago, and I'm like, oh my gosh, Pastor Chad, please never go back and look at my Facebook. Please don't do that. You'll regret it. We complain about all the things that we don't have, and we sometimes make the same awful decisions. Why would anybody want to join a community if it looks no different than the community that they have now. What dwells in you that someone far from God doesn't have but wants? Is it peace? Is it gratitude? When someone looks at your life and sees that amongst all the chaos happening in the world, are you choosing to keep peace instead of joining a side? That could be someone's invitation to the community. Are you choosing Sorry, I lost my spot here. When someone looks at you and says that, you know, they see you and that you're grateful for all the things that you have, that could be somebody's invitation. When someone sees you and you don't make silly decisions that cause more chaos in your life, they're actually going to come and ask, knock on your door. They're going to ask you for your opinion, knowing that you're going to give a different answer than everybody else. That could be their invitation to the community. So be intentional with what dwells in you. People far from God can see it. They can see it. We are meant to stick out like a sore thumb in a good way. We're meant to live a different life. We're meant to have different characteristics and attributes. The idea of peace and gratitude and wisdom should dwell inside us. And the last thing I want to talk about this morning is be intentional by prayer. And I'm not going to spend too much time talking about what prayer is because you know, you, you might have a good understanding of that by now, or if you don't, um, there's lots of different information where you could find that. Um, but I would rather us participate in prayer than me just talk about prayer for five more minutes. Because prayer is probably the most practical thing you can do if you want to be intentional to build community. And when you pray the kind of prayer that aligns your heart with God's heart, he's actually going to allow you to feel the same things that he feels. When you pray the same prayer, you know, that aligns your heart with God's heart, you're going to feel the same things that he feels. Your heart will begin to break for those that don't know the grace and the love of Jesus. But sometimes what happens 
And if you're ever anything like me, I'm a problem solver, so I like to try and, you know, as a kid, I used to break things on purpose to try and put them back together, which wasn't always successful. But I'm a problem solver. I want to take things into my own hands. And when my heart breaks for somebody else, and I've prayed that prayer that aligns my heart with the Lord's, sometimes I get caught up in trying to do the saving. Sometimes I get caught up pretending like I can do Jesus' job for him. And maybe you relate that with that, maybe you don't. But let me tell you this morning, only Jesus can be Jesus, and only Carlo can be Carlo. <laughs> you know, and only you can be you. Jesus paid the penalty for creation sin. We did not. And at times when you're inviting and investing and involving and going the extra mile, you may feel defeated. You may feel defeated in that. I know stories of people in this room that you've been praying for that family member. You've been, you've been, you know, you've been praying and you've been inviting in that neighbor. You've been being, in, you've been intentional. And you may feel defeated because you're like, when is this going to happen? I know exactly what that feels like. Let me explain to you. As a youth pastor, one of my main goals is to create a space. Well, here it's on Wednesday nights for students to come and encounter the presence of God so that it could radically change their life and that their worldview would be changed and their understanding of the Bible would be changed and that they would commit their life to Jesus forever. And you've heard me say it before, but in different youth ministry studies, it shows that in my five, sorry, in, in youth ministry studies, it shows that actually 80% plus of students, these are committed Christians, committed Christians, okay? They, they read their Bible. They always come to youth group. They always come to church. They serve on the kids team. They're on a camera. They're doing all this kind of stuff. They're involved. 80% of what we think is the best of the best leave the church. They go, the moment that I'm out, my mind is completely changed. And it's not, it's not that they just disassociate with church or the culture that we have, but they no longer even believe that God is real. So in my five and a half years, my main goal is to flip that upside down at a minimum, that only 20% and hopefully get to the point of zero would leave. And in my experience, what we've created here at Bethel, the space that we've created for young people and for students, that's actually been working. That's actually been working. We, we talk about the hard stuff. We ask the tough questions. We leave space for faith and doubt together. We wrestle that through with each other. But even still, everything that I think that I can do to make Wednesdays the best night of the week for students, it's kind of a thing that we've been saying for years. We want Wednesdays to be the best night of the week. Even then, there's people that still decide to go a different direction. And my heart it's ripped out of my chest. It's the same thing that you, mom, and dad feel, you know, when your kid walks out, if that's ever happened, or maybe that was you when you were a kid. It's the same, it's the same thing. You, you, you invest so much. You put so much time, so much prayer, and then your heart's broken when somebody walks away. Only Jesus can do the saving. There's no gimmicks that I could come up with on a Wednesday to just, you know, help people stick around longer than 18 years old. Jesus is the one that does the saving. What can I do? What can you do? We're the ones that have to do the praying. When we truly understand prayer and its significance, we'll actually know how powerful that practice is. Praying for another person when trying to build community, wanting to see that person come to know the Lord just like you did a number of years ago, is giving up control, giving up gimmicks, and allowing your heart and your mind to fully trust God. He hasn't asked you to save anybody. He's asked you to partner with him in his mission and to trust him. So prayer cannot be our last resort. Prayer should be the very first thing that we do when God puts someone on our mind. 
We cannot let prayer be boxed to a Facebook comment or request that if we're being honest, you know, I, I hope that when you say praying on Facebook and there's like a load of things of praying, I hope that you really do that. I hope that you really do that because when somebody puts a prayer request out there, they need it. So don't just do that because it's the nice thing to do or what seems like the right thing to do. Humble yourself. Get on your knees and, and pray for that person. Prayer is so powerful. It's so important. And you know what? I don't know maybe what your experience has been, but anytime that I've offered somebody, whether they're a believer or not, um, and I say, hey, can I pray for you after maybe they've unloaded a situation to me? Well, can I pray for you? Nobody has ever turned me down in my whole life. I'm talking about friends that I'm still connected with that, like, they think that this is a joke, that this is just a big gimmick, that this isn't real. When they say, Carlo, I'm going through this thing, and I just listen, and at the end I say, man, I'm really sorry. I know you don't believe the same things I do, but I believe that God can intercede in your situation. Can I pray for you? They've always said yes. Why would they say that? Why would they say yes to prayer? Well, on our side, we understand and we know that it's powerful. But maybe on their side, they know that they're cared for, that they're thought about, that they're important enough, and that someone was actually intentionally trying to help them. Be intentional by prayer. So before we conclude today, I actually want us to pray. And Pastor Melissa, if you just maybe want to come up. I don't want to take too long, but I want to take a few moments to actually pray as we go into this new season in the fall. Next Sunday is kickoff Sunday. Really excited for that. My prayer is that, you know, you would invest, you would invite, you would go the extra mile, you'd be praying. But, you know, today we, we, we sang that song, uh, I Speak the name of Jesus, or whatever it's called. <laughs> and it's so good. And there is one part, I think, in the verse or the bridge, and it said, you know, Jesus over my family, Jesus over my friends. And I just think that is such a timely moment for us. So what I'm going to ask us to do is uh, I want you to just take a moment and stand. And not just that because that's like some religious tradition we do, but I want you to stand this morning. And I want you to take out your phone. Like, what? I want you to take out your phone. And I don't know if you've ever done this before. I do this all the time. I want you to text yourself. I don't want you to text anybody else. Don't open up Facebook, none of that kind of stuff. What I want you to do is text yourself, and the moment that it goes through, you're going to get a notification. Don't open it. Don't open the notification. What do I want you to text? I want you to text the name of the person that God's put on your heart as I've been speaking this morning. I know that's kind of different. I know that's kind of weird, but I want you to text yourself the name of the person that God's put on your heart that you're going to commit to praying for if you haven't already committed to that. And if you have, great. This is a, just an, another resource for you to remember. Who's that one person you need to pray for? Who's that one person you're going to be intentional with in this season? As you just lead us softly through a chorus or two, after you've texted yourself, I just want you to take a moment I just want you to pray for that person right now. Let this morning be your first step of practice. We don't have to wait till we go home. Let's take a moment and pray for who that is. So let this, this morning, just kind of be the start of your commitment to being intentional for praying for whoever that person is, that name that you texted yourself. I just want to conclude, you know, over the past month, we've been in the series community. We've learned so many great and practical things that we can implement into this fall because this is a new season. 
with more room for more people to join the family of God. Amen? More people to hear the good news. More people to receive the free gift of grace by Jesus. We've learned what community looks like and what it takes to build. Now your response needs to be, God, help me build it. A couple last thoughts this morning that I didn't know where to put (laughs) in the message, but I think they're important. They're really random, so I'm just going to leave you to think about them. Number one, people are not projects. People are not projects. They're human beings. We don't treat sharing our faith like a project. People are not projects. Number two, real community will cost you something. To be part of an authentic, deep, meaningful community, it's going to cost you something. And the last thing, community investment does not mean that you get something in return. We don't serve, so we get something in return. We don't give, so we get something in return. We don't invite or invest, so we get something in return. It's not about us. It's about people that aren't part of the community yet. I want to end this morning with something that um, one of my professors did many times when he spoke, and I just kind of felt like this was on my heart, and he called it a benediction prayer, where he would kind of read a prayer that was in Scripture over, you know, at that time it was the, the college, but I want to read this prayer over us this morning to conclude. It's found in Colossians 1, 3 to 14. So this is the, how Paul opens up his letter to the church in Colossae. It says this, We always pray for you, and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all of his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience, amen, you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. And this part's so good, the way he ends this prayer. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. So Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for this community at Bethel. God, thank you that you have been speaking and working in this place. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that you are near. You're so close. God, thank you for your healing this morning. Thank you for the many words that you've inspired people to share this morning. God, I pray that it wouldn't just end here. God, that you would put the burden deep in our heart, that we would feel the same pain you feel for those that are far from you. 
Lord, would you teach us what it means to be intentional? Holy Spirit, would you help clothe us in compassion and kindness? God, would we be a people that shine, that dwell? Would we be peacemakers? Would we be thankful? God, would you help us make wise decisions? Because, Lord, people, people are watching. And God, teach us about the power of prayer. Let it not just become some traditional practice, but would it be us aligning our heart with your heart, believing that you're going to do wondrous works. And God, just for that name that you've put on our heart, that we may have texted to ourselves to help us remember. God, we just ask for opportunities. Opportunities to love, to show compassion, to be kind, to share faith, to be a shoulder to lean on. And we trust, Lord, that you are working. And we pray. Amen. Amen. So that's it. Thank you for being here this morning. Really appreciate it. If you, uh, if you haven't yet, be sure to check out some of the other messages from the community series. Kind of stay up to date. We're really excited about next Sunday, kickoff Sunday, 10.30 a.m. People are getting baptized. It's going to be awesome. You don't want to miss it. Love you. Peace for you. And we'll see you next Sunday. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 